0: talking about the young guys today on Fantasy Baseball Today. I'm Chris Towers with Heath Cummings and Scott White and we're going to be going through Scott's top 100 fantasy baseball prospects. Check it out on cbssports.com slash fantasy slash baseball. It's one of our most popular pieces every year and it's one of our best. You're going to go through guys who are going to be here in 2019, guys who, you know, might get up in July and guys that, are going to make an impact for your dynasty team maybe three years from now. And it's really great stuff. Scott, thanks as always for writing it. And,
1: oh, uh, thank you. Thank you for uh, promoting it so glowingly. I appreciate that.
2: Anything I can do. Heath, we'll promote some of your stuff. No one has ever said something I write is one of the best things that we do here. It's really disappointing. That's not true. <laughs> you, you've never said it.
0: I, I'm sure I have.
1: Never.
2: Well, maybe one day. All right, Shame the host
1: st- right off the bat, make him feel uncomfortable.
0: It's, it's on. It's the Heath coming special. It's it what we were missing for, for yeah. all these months. All right, we're gonna start off. We'll catch you up on some of the latest news, but frankly, there's not really much going on around baseball right now. So we'll start off with an email today, as always. Fantasy baseball at CBSI.com is the way to get your emails on the show. We're starting to get a bunch of them in. So you want help? Setting your keepers, we'll do that. Just send us your, uh, your emails, fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Email of the day. From Mitch, we all realize it's good to be reactionary early in the season to find the next surprise Jose Bautista, J.D. Martinez, Max Muncie, or Jose Aguilar. However, in keeper leagues, which assign auction slash draft price to future keeper cost, it can be difficult to cut your cheapest assets early, especially if they are young prospects you loved and might regret dropping in a few years. Given this risk, should I only assign cheap costs to vets unless I can mentally commit to the prospect waiting roster spots? Wasting roster space on my bench through September. What is a good percentage of my bench to use on speculative prospects? And he's talking about keeper leagues, but I think it applies to today's episode and to, to yearly leagues too. Basically, how, money, how many kind of dead roster spots are you willing to waste? Not waste. Use. On a prospect that you're
2: waiting, yeah. I'm assuming that this is a league with no minor league spots. Yeah, and I think it's. I I, Scott will have probably a deeper answer to this, but it's so determined by how many roster spots you have. I mean, with a standard head-to-head roster, if I've got what five bench spots, I wouldn't want to use more than two of them but I would hope in most keeper leagues you've got seven, eight, nine bench spots. And then I'd, I I want to make sure I have enough of a bench to be able to field a competitive team. I'm much more worried about winning now.
1: I mean, it depends to some degree on how deep the league is, too, because you know one of my earliest um, little sayings as a fantasy analyst was the bench is no place for backups. And what I meant by that is theoretically – your entire bench can be used to store upside players, whether it's in the short term or the long term. Um, but it, it becomes trickier when you play in a league so deep that the waiver wire doesn't offer anything usable, really. Mm-hmm. And uh, then you kind of need to have a few spots reserved for true backups in case your starters get hurt. That's where versatile players come in handy, guys like Marwin Gonzalez. Uh, Max Muncie. Sure, <laughs> well... Uh, yeah, he's eligible at two positions. Still, he was much more eligible last year, mm-hmm. but uh, much more versatile last year. But yeah, um, yeah, I would, I would say, and you, and you know, to some degree, how how much you end up using your bench players in your own league, head-to-head points leagues. You probably need more pitchers to cycle in and out of your lineup for two start weeks. Uh, but I would, in general, I would uh, use most of my bench. Um, with upside in mind especially early in the season
0: so let's say a guy we're going to talk about a little later but let's let's say Kyle Tucker someone that a lot of people had stashed at the start of last season and he never made a difference for fantasy players we don't really expect him to make the team out of spring or at least there's a possibility he doesn't how long are you hanging on to a guy like that
1: It depends on the depth of the league. 15-team, five-outfielder league, like Tal Wars, all season.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, pretty much any five-outfielder league, I would say, all season. Or, you know, at least until it becomes pretty clear he's not getting called up, which I don't expect to happen. Uh, Three-outfielder leagues, you know, particularly head-to-head formats where you have to play matchups with pitchers. You know, if, if we get through April and there's still no talk of Kyle Tucker coming up, He's probably gone.
0: All right, before we talk a little more about prospects in the second half of the show, let's move on to the latest news. Like I said, not a ton, but we've had a couple of news and notes come through the last couple of hours. Uh, Russell Martin was traded to the Dodgers. Wow. Doesn't really matter for fans. I'm excited.
2: Seattle,
0: I, I mean, he if he plays a normal catcher's amount, he's probably a top 12 catcher. He's not going to play a normal catcher's amount. So we expect Austin Barnes to get the majority of the playing time here.
1: I kind of feel like Austin Barnes might be a post type sleeper. Okay. Unless the Dodgers do something else, acquire somebody else. He yeah. his elbow wasn't right last year from spring training. And it kind of just threw everything out of whack. Uh, but there's still a very disciplined hitter there. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I think Russell Martin's time is done. So I I expect Barnes to get at least sixty percent of share there. The share there to start out.
2: This does make me more because I kind of felt the same way about Barnes, and I still do. This makes me just a little bit less excited or a little bit more concerned about having Barnes as my second catcher in a two-catcher league, just because this gives the Dodgers an easier excuse to do something stupid. It
0: is worth noting that. The Blue Jays, a team that's much less prone to uh, the kind of roster manipulation stuff that the Dodgers are, they played Russell Martin. I think he's eligible at third base this year, right? He is, yes. Yeah, so he has a little bit of versatility, something that we don't really see from catchers. So, you know, a team like the Dodgers who's so willing to flip guys in and out of lineup spots, it's possible that, you know, Austin Barnes can play second base, so, you know, there might be enough opportunities even with even if Russell Martin
1: catches pretty regularly.
2: Keep your hands off Max Muncy's plate appearances.
1: <laughs> they didn't do it last year. I, I think he'll get them mostly at first base, Muncy. I think Bellinger will play mostly outfield, Muncy mostly first, and Taylor mostly second, Chris Taylor. But uh, they'll all probably play several different. And, and it's
2: also worth pointing out that, like, over the last two seasons, Russell Martin has seven hundred and seventeen plate appearances with a two hundred eight average and a six ninety eight OPS. He's awful.
1: <laughs> yeah, he is. Uh, so, one one thing we haven't mentioned is the other side. I actually had to change my write up for Danny Jansen woo! in the top one hundred prospects after this trade happened because he's the man now, right? That's you could make an argument for taking him among the top ten catchers as little as I haven't ranked him.
0: Make the argument.
1: Well he, uh, he himself is a very disciplined hitter who, who uh, I, I think should. I, I think he could be. The upside for him is what Jonathan Lucroy used to be. Um, and, you know, there's a chance he's. Uh, yeah, I would like him better than Jan Gomes, I think, in any range of possible outcomes, just because, you know, Jansen's going to get on base. Uh, I'll make the argument.
2: Mike Zanino, Wellington Castillo, Robinson Chirinos, Tucker Barnhart, Jorge Alfaro. Those are the guys I have ranked behind him. Like that's, I don't want to start those guys.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a chance that one of those guys, you know, Jorge Alfaro still has plenty of, um, plenty of. I think the biggest
2: thing for me, at least with Jansen, there are. Probably another 12 catchers in a head-to-head points league that you can start and have the 12th catcher and it's not going to make a huge difference on a week-to-week basis. Jansen could be somebody that makes a difference, so I'd rather draft him.
0: Yeah, just to to give some stats, he struck out 185 times in 1,505 minor league plate appearances. That's an extremely low strikeout rate. Um, Walked about as often as he struck out. Not a huge walk guy, but he walks enough. And over the last couple of years has started to develop some power. You know, he had... Career-high five home runs going into 2017. Hits 10 between three classes in 2017. Hits 12 last year at uh, Buffalo in the International League. Not necessarily a great hitting environment. So, you know, we're starting to see the development uh, of his bat in a way that could make him a very good fantasy catcher. Uh, Some other news. Dustin Pedroia has been cleared to run and test his surgically repaired left knee. Any hope for Dustin Pedroia this season? Is he, is he in either one of your top
1: 300s? No. No. Not top no. 300. So you're I not drafted. I could see in, like, an AL only league uh, him being kind of a sleeper pick. If he's healthy, I would expect him to get the majority of the starts there. And if he's healthy, you know, he, he never got away from making the kind of contact that would lead him to hit 290-plus.
2: I, I don't want him to be hurt. I want him to live a long, healthy, <laughs> happy life. Don't you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. I would just much rather see Eduardo Nuñez. But it is worth noting
0: Eduardo Nuñez wasn't particularly good in his own right last year.
1: Yeah, it was awful. But I, at least I would have been I would have been more willing to buy the well he's better than Pedroya anyway argument before last year.
0: All right, some good news on the prospect front. We'll get to Nick Senzal a little later, but he did take his first swings in recent days since undergoing October elbow surgery. I'm not a doctor, but I would guess this gives him enough time to be ready for spring training.
1: Yeah, that was an expectation all along. Doesn't look like there's going to be a job open to him, but there's been talk of him playing some outfield. I still don't know that that means there's a job open for him after the Reds just acquired two from the Dodgers, but uh, we'll see. Maybe he does get traded. We'll see.
0: Uh, Updating Osmani Grandal signing with the Brewers. It does include a mutual option for 2020. That's relevant for uh, people in keeper leagues because we expect Milwaukee to be a very good place for him.
2: Yeah, those mutual options almost never get accepted because both parties have to want to do it, and he's probably going to be so good that he's worth more money or so bad that he's not worth this money, but I'd like it if he'd just stay there forever. Forever? Forever. All right.
0: Kyler Murray seems likely to go to the NFL. Not hugely fantasy relevant, but he he might have been a prospect if he had played baseball. Why can't he play both? Quarterback's really tough, man. So? It's really hard. He can do it. Play both. I just mm. – he has so th- – this is my thing with Kyler Murray is from a, from a baseball perspective, he has so little experience playing against top-level competition. He's basically done one-and-a-half college seasons, which is, you know, a full college season is, what, a quarter of an MLB season? So I wasn't particularly excited about him as a fantasy baseball uh, long-term dynasty option anyway, even if the potential skill set could have been valuable, but I don't think we really need to – Talk much more about it because it does not seem like he's going to play major league baseball. Matt Davidson could be a major league baseball player as a pitcher and a third baseman. That's kind of interesting. Yeah, I don't think he'll he'll he's not particularly good at either.
2: But he throws <laughs> hard. He hits hard. He does occasionally. He misses the strike zone and he misses the ball a lot. Hey, he, but he throws like ninety four miles an hour. intensity guy.
0: Uh, Will Myers is expected to play full-time in the outfield in 2019. We got a question uh, in emails about whether he was likely to get first base eligibility. I think he's going to be, is he outfield only coming into the season?
1: He's outfield and third base.
0: Okay. So outfield and third base. So at least for this year, he should have dual eligibility. Um, and he's probably equally likely to be starting for you at outfield or third base. Um, yeah. But moving beyond that, barring uh, unforeseen injuries, he should be an outfielder only moving forward. Maybe a DH uh,
2: if they trade him.
1: Maybe. Yeah, if I kind of I kind of hope they trade him, and, and I don't know that there's really any smoke there. But if if Will Myers is devoted to an outfield spot, that leaves two spots for Hunter Renfro, Franchi Cordero, Manuel Margot, and um, Ron Reyes. Reyes, who is the one I'm most excited about. It, I would hate to see him get pushed out. I mean, you have to think Manuel Margot uh, would have the inside track on center field and Hunter Renfro might in right field.
2: They're all going to get 420 plate appearances exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rays. Why'd are clo- you pick that number? I just, It was a random number that I thought of. Why would I have picked this guy? Was it? Yep. Okay. Do you have a, a reason other than that? I don't no. know what
0: you guys are talking about, but the Rays are closing in on Aviseo Garcia. We've seen him be fantasy relevant in the past. Not particularly so in 2018. Would you have any interest in him moving from a very good hitter's park to an extremely bad one? <laughs> I'm going to guess the answer is no.
1: I mean, if, if, if they plan on revolutionizing him fly ball-wise.
0: Sure, this is a guy who hits the ball reasonably hard, but often hits it on the floor.
2: Can I give you a fun <laughs> uh, Avasil Garcia part? fact? Yes, in 2017, his a, his one good year in baseball, a
0: 406 BABIP.
2: he had a 4.6 WAR. Okay, for his career, he has a 4.9 WAR.
0: So he hasn't been that good. But yeah, <laughs> he had like a 406 BABIP that year. It was it was wild. And He's I not think, good. I think last year it dropped to 270. That shows you. Uh, that shows you the whole BABIP thing. Uh, potentially relevant news: Derek Holland uh, is returning to the Giants, and he was actually pretty good last year. Um, almost a strikeout per inning, not a terrible walk rate, a three fifty seven ERA with decent ish peripherals. He could be, he's someone that you could draft in a roto league, right?
1: Uh, it'd have to be pretty deep. I'd draft him in an NL only league, which I, I know maybe that seems like no duh, but um, yeah, there's a certain level of pitcher that I'm unwilling to touch in that format just because I know. They could only do harm to my ERA and whip. And I think, I think Holland's better than that. Certainly at San Francisco and certainly with the bat missing ability he showed last year, never before seen from him
2: he might be their second best pitcher
0: <laughs> might be their best. If they trade Madison Bumgarner
2: yeah, or if Madison Bumgarner
1: just pitches like he did last year,
0: I think he was probably still better than Derek Holland.
1: But, you have to think about it. Very, <laughs> a st-
0: streaming option when they play at home. For sure. Home least.
1: streamer. Um,
0: all right, we'll get one more email before moving on to prospects. Again, at cbsi.com is the email. This one's from Drew in London all the way across the sea from both directions. Some members of my Keeper League are interested in limiting people's ability to stream pitchers, so no Derek Holland. We already have a limit of five ads per week, so I don't think there's a way we can go lower without hurting teams that, A, genuinely need the ads due to injuries, and, B, teams looking to improve by getting better guys off waivers. So question one, is streaming a strategy that fantasy managers just need to deal with, especially if there's already an ad limit in place? And two... Would switching to FAB or having players constantly be on waivers be a good middle ground to limit streaming?
2: Uh, three, why didn't we play the Fantasy Regulators music during this Because I don't segment? have the drop. This is Fantasy Regulators. I don't have the drop. You could just <laughs> make the noises. Thank you, Chris. Um, streaming, first off, my personal opinion is that limiting to five ads per week is too much limiting, and so I wouldn't further limit streaming as well. I do think if you switched over to Fab, it would probably help with it if you really think it's a problem, but I think it's a part of the game.
1: Yeah, I, I would I would want to have some kind of measure in place to curtail it. Um, did no. he say what kind of format this is? Well, they already
2: have a limit of five ads per week. Right, I'm right. No, that's head what head I'm points. saying. He,
1: he has a couple in place already. Well, he already has that one. I think Fab would help too. Beyond that, I don't think I'd do any more. It is part of the game... The game, game to an extent. If it's a points league, it's an absolute must to have some kind of um, roadblock in place. Uh, in it, a categories league, I mean, there's a lot of downside to picking up yeah. a uh, a picking up p- streaming pitchers just for volume, basically.
0: I think an innings maximum is a good way to go. It doesn't limit how many ads you can make, but it does limit the the raw counting stats you can add up. And you know, in this situation less so actually i think it's less relevant for hitter pitchers than it is for hitters um because there's only two raw counting stats that starting pitchers can add but that's the easiest way to go that that kind of cuts the baby in half so to speak
1: why do we have to speak like that
0: it's just a it's just a saying i've
1: it's never heard f- it before
0: it's like it's like a isn't it like a like a like a biblical thing.
2: Split the baby in half.
0: Yeah. There's like the story about two people who say the baby's theirs, and the king says, Well, cut the baby in half and give each side one half of the baby, and then okay. the real mother says, No, the other person right. can have no, it. No,
1: that's a thing. I've but, never yeah. heard I've never heard the expression applied that way. Maybe. I, I haven't I haven't heard every expression before. It's an idiom. Right. You're an idiom.
2: I was biting my tongue not to say that. <laughs>
3: true green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn all you have to do is water and mow and they'll do the rest weed control fertilization aeration among others they'll do all of that so you can do literally anything else You have better things to do with your free time than focus on your lawn care. Let True Green take care of all the hard work it takes to get a great lawn while you take care of everything else on your to-do list. You can trust True Green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise which gives you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. Think about how hard it is to manage our fantasy baseball teams. You need all the time you can get to put in waiver wire claims, fab bids, send out trades and set your lineups. You'll have that extra time when true green is taking care of your lawn. You do you let true green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn
0: at the best price with the best people guaranteed. All right. Well, now that we've established that I'm an idiom, let's move on to prospects. Scott, this is your labor of love, and uh, we'll get to that in time, but <laughs> I wanted to start, because you're going to have a lot to say, and uh, you've done all a, a lot of research on this. You've put the blood, sweat, and tears, uh, but Heath is here also, and he's working on his, uh, his rankings are going to be ready this week for, for fantasy baseball, and I wanted to go through the top prospects that Heath has ranked. Uh, I went through his... Well, we went through his top two sixty. I went through my own two seventy six. Uh, and here are the the top prospects the Heath will have. Scott, ranked. just
2: yell whenever I have something stupid.
0: And th- ah! sh- most of these shouldn't be particularly surprising. Vladimir Guerrero is number one. What is surprising? I think you guys might be able to uh, to argue about this a bit because I'm pretty sure Scott, you have Vlad Guerrero top thirty
1: overall for 2018. Yeah.
0: Uh, no. No, no,
1: I don't have him that high. Although, uh, I'm still I'm still trying to figure out exactly how high I have him, but not that high.
0: Now I will say so. Heath has him 65th. Where do you have him, Scott?
1: Originally, I had him. I think even a little lower than that, but I'm moving him. I'm I'm moving him up into about the round four range. So that would be between uh, 48 and 60, right? 48 and that's round five.
2: So that's round five.
0: Basically,
1: oh, well, before that, then
0: neither of you guys is really going to draft much Vladimir Guerrero this season because probably not. What's his ADP? Well, when we've done mock drafts, it's been you know a lot in the early, uh, you know, late third, early fourth range, if not earlier. I'm looking at NFBC right now, uh, and his is 38th. So, yeah, you guys are the latest he's gone in any of their drafts, and that's 62 drafts total. Um, is 60th overall. So, yeah.
2: I guess I won't have him on any teams. That is disappointing.
0: And uh, your number two prospect is three spots later than him, Eloy Jimenez. Yes. Um, Do we actually expect to see either one of these guys uh, in the majors on March 29th or whatever opening day is?
1: If we do, somebody's messed up. Because there's no financial reason for right. either of these clubs to do that. The only argument you, with with the way with the way the service time rules work, uh, you know, you have to. I think it's 15 days in. You get an extra year of team control. So the only way it would make sense for a team to have them on the opening day roster is if they sign them to a they, long extension. That or they think the race is going to be that close that they need that impact from the first two weeks. Well, I mean the blue Jays, white Sox aren't going to be in any kind of race. The, the only white thing Sox I could thought be.
2: is that I, that my only, I don't think there's really any chance that Vlad is there the first two weeks. And I'm not 100% certain that Vlad is going to be there immediately after those two weeks. Like he could make a, a fielding error at third base. and That's another two months at least. I <laughs> I do wonder though, if the white Sox land Machado, Yeah. if that, part of their pitch Mm -hmm. to him is we're going to compete. We're going to put the best team on the field from day one.
0: Yeah. I mean, the, the most notable reason, recent example of that was probably Jose Fernandez with the Marlins. It wasn't about competing, but it was the year I believe after they tore their team down. And that was another, it was kind of a cynical attempt to get to garner fan interest. Clearly both Eloy Jimenez and Vladimir Guerrero are about as major league ready as a prospect could possibly be. Uh, and, you guys, Scott, where do you have Eloy Jimenez ranked?
1: I have him about three rounds behind Vladimir Guerrero, round okay. six or seven, which I think is more realistic. It's more realistic I'm going to get him than Guerrero because
2: what's, what's you're, Jimenez?
0: You're not getting him if you're drafting with Heath because he has him 68. The Eloy Jimenez ADP right now is 106. So that's I good. One, him. Good. That's one that I would expect will rise.
2: Yeah, I mean, I listen. The, Vlad was amazing last year. He was, both of them were amazing. I don't, I have a hard time separating them that much until we see them in the major leagues. I think they're both extremely elite prospects that should just absolutely crush.
1: Yeah. I mean, if, if there was no Guerrero Jimenez would be the guy, everybody's tripping over themselves to draft, probably rising into round four himself, which He's, could
0: make a little Jimenez it, a pretty nice value.
1: Yes. I, I think the presence of Guerrero, uh, keeps Jimenez's price tag from getting out of control because comparatively, there's just not going to be as much hype. But in the comparing him to all the top prospects of the last few years, Jimenez would be up there. All right, and then you got to go a little ways down for Heath. Danny Jansen
0: is a number 135 in Roto. Now, it's worth noting Roto is a two-category format. I would assume you have him a little bit lower in head to head. Two
2: catchers. Two catchers. It for was yes. two categories and one of them was on base percentage. I might take him even higher. <laughs> but yes. yes, yeah. The fact the fact and I don't think Scott necessarily I think he maybe packs just more catchers into the very end of his roto rankings. I do rank guy catchers in the top 10 a little bit higher in roto than I do in head to head.
0: Sure. And I think that makes sense because the thing you have to balance in roto versus head to head is there are a lot of catchers who just hurt you in Roto, and you have to start them. And so, you know, there are a lot of catchers in two category leagues, two catcher leagues. Two category leagues
2: especially. If one of the categories is stolen bases, they just don't help you at all.
0: But even, you know, your number 12 through 24 through 34 uh, catchers are, they're all kind of the same. They're low average, maybe 10 home runs, 50 like you're talking about the the dregs of the fantasy world, guys that wouldn't even be in the fantasy discussion if they played any other position. And so that does change the calculus, especially in a Roto uh, format. And head-to-head, you get points either way, so they're not necessarily hurting you. But Roto, there are catchers who can actually drag you down. If you think Danny Jansen's going to be one of the ones who doesn't drag you down, that is a big boost to his value. Uh, Heath, your next top prospect was Yusei Kikuchi. And I think you're a bit higher on him in your first run than either Scott or I. You have him 138th overall. Um, I'm just, and Scott and I talked about this last week, there are concerns about his workload. There are concerns about the strikeout potential, injury concerns. So I I, I think there, there is certainly a case to be made that he can be an exciting pitcher this year. Um, but, you know.
2: I don't think he has top 12 upside by any stretch of the imagination, sure. but I think there's a very good chance that he can come in and be a 150, 160 innings of a low three ERA with a good whip, and the strikeout numbers aren't going to be great, but I don't think they're going to be terrible either.
0: Let's move on to a guy that I think is going to be seriously underrated in fantasy this season and uh, is going to be a great value Four drafts, And that's Victor Robles. Um, He only played 73 games uh, in total last season between the majors and minors. He only played 114 games or 127 games the year before. Um, Injuries have been an issue for him. But all he's done anywhere he's gone in the minors is hit 300 and run. And if you can do those two things, I mean, Starling Marte is someone that we're taking, you know, third or fourth round. In roto leagues, I think Victor Robles has peak Starling Marte potential. You know those years when he was hitting 20 homers and stealing 40 bases and hitting 290. Um, and Scott, you have him as your number five fantasy prospect, so I, I would tend to think you agree.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know if we would rank him the same place among major leaguers, but he's been considered an elite prospect for three or four years now. And finally, it looks like he's going to get his chance. Uh, yeah, last year's minor league numbers were pretty awful, but he was coming back from a hyperextended elbow that cost him a big chunk of time at the start of the year. Once he got to the majors, uh, there, there wasn't really... It, 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 that, that stint in the majors kind of erased doubts about lingering effects from the elbow. And, and, it's,
0: and it's worth yeah, noting, pretty I, awful... Was a 276 average and a 60 steal pace for 150 games. So
1: yeah, right. I, I, it mostly impacted the power production, which was on the rise, and then there was just nothing in the minors last year. But he hit three home runs in the majors and you know fewer than 100 at bats. So I, there was something there. I, am, I think I think Starling Marte is a pretty good comparison. I think he there's a good chance he walks more than Marte did. So maybe the gap between head to head and Roto. Value wouldn't be as high, but I am most excited to draft him in roto leagues just because he does seem like one of a, just a handful of players who could deliver 40 plus steals. How about how about
0: this off-brand Alberto Mondesi? I mean, he's a bigger prospect than Mondesi, but at least in terms of fantasy uh, cost in 2018, Alberto Mondesi is going to cost quite a bit more than Victor Robles. I'm, Robles may not have the power potential. That Alberto Mondesi does, but Mondesi is not going to hit
2: three hundred either. Oh no, no, there's no chance of that. And he, he could be he could be better than Mondesi. I I'll I'll be curious. And we haven't s- he ran a lot in the minors. He hasn't really had enough major league games to say whether he's going to run or not. He's run, caught stole three bases and been caught three times. So I mean, he's got a little bit to prove as far as being a base dealer in the major leagues. Sure, and and one other thing to
0: note is. As I've mentioned a couple times in the offseason, Trey Turner only really ran at an elite pace when he was the leadoff hitter. So how the Nationals stack their lineup could potentially impact how often those guys steal, as, as would whether Bryce Harper returns. Because I For think sure. they'll be much more willing to, to run when Bryce Harper's not around. Uh, some other guys Heath has ranked, Francisco Mejia, expected to be at least part of a catching share on opening day in San yeah, Diego.
2: I hate that situation.
0: Yeah, I mean, Austin Hedges is good enough to start. He's just not a very interesting fantasy option. Um, we'd much rather see Francisco Mejia get a full-time uh, spot. Scott, who do you, how do you think they split the playing time there?
1: I think it's pretty close to a 50-50 split Boom. to start out. <laughs> to start out. Um, and, and then if Mejia hits like we think he's capable, he'll, he'll wrestle more of that playing time away. Hedges has some power, but beyond that, I, I think the to- the totality of his offensive game is is pretty offensive, frankly. Yeah, and, then, and uh, he's he's really just in there for the fielding.
0: And Mejia's a a good power prospect with really really good uh, plate discipline, a lot like Danny Jansen, actually.
1: I mean Mejia, the most notable thing about Mejia, and it's a co- it happened a couple years ago at this point, but he had a 50 game hitting streak in the minors. I didn't say 15. I said 50. It's pretty good. Yeah. Especially I mean for beyond even power. I mean he homered twice in his first start with the Padres. So yes, he has some power, but he he has really good bat control. His bat would translate to some other position if he had to go there. He the, played third base.
0: Um, and the Indians were yeah, they were trying him out at third base and and I think in the outfield as well in the minors.
1: Yes, he didn't it, it seemed like um but he his own reluctance was part of the reason that didn't ultimately happen, and why he's with the Padres now.
0: All right, some other prospects Heath has ranked inside of his uh, top seventy six, but most of these guys two seventy six, two seventy six. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, K- Tucker one ninety six. Like we said, it's just a question of playing time. He's proven all you can prove in the minors, but the Astros are so stacked. Uh, Jesus Lazardo, Josh James two guys who have a chance to crack the uh, spring training roster or the opening day rosters, and we expect Josh James to, given that he made his major league debut last year.
2: Yeah, I just think Lazardo's better. So I, I'm not sure. I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if we don't see Lazardo until end of April, early May. Uh, it could be even longer than that. James will make more starts in April, but I think Lazardo will be better.
0: Uh, Williams Estudio at 247. Just, just let the man play. There's a chance he doesn't make the opening day roster. Yeah. And, What a shame that would be. I think he's a top 10, top 12 fantasy catcher if he gets a reasonable amount of playing time.
1: Just such a weird player. The best. Because never strikes out. Like, never strikes out. Like, he's probably,
0: relative to the league average, one of the least strikeout-prone players in Major League history.
1: But he never walks either. Doesn't really profile well anywhere defensively. The Twins tried him in a few spots last year. He's with his fourth or fifth organization. So this isn't.
0: But he's also developed into a legitimately interesting. like Yeah. No, I mean. uh, He used to be interesting. Like, uh, oh, wow, look at this weird guy. Now he's. The last couple of years, he's just been good. Yeah, he has. And he is inside of your top 100 prospects right at the end. Thank you. I like to think that was just a nod to me. Uh, well,
1: it was it was <laughs> I at the end of my top one hundred, since it is mostly geared for fantasy owners, I like to include a lot of players who I think could make a fantasy relevant contribution more or less right away. Mm-hmm. And yeah, as somebody with catcher eligibility as studio, uh, I mean, last September he was. I was starting him in a couple leagues, a couple twelve team one catcher leagues. but, there doesn't seem to be a path to playing time to begin the season. And considering he's a 27-year-old who doesn't really profile anywhere and is on his fifth organization, however many it's been, there's a chance he just never gets another opportunity. Start Williams-Astudio,
0: you cowards. And the last one in Heath's top 276, Alex, Alex Reyes at 266. There is 0% chance he actually finishes in the 266 range. He's either going to be a top 15 starting pitcher or he's going to make five starts and blow up again, which he, has been the case
2: two start, two years in a row. I'm trying to think the path to him being 266 is probably... He they, starts for two They let him make hurt. 10 starts. Yeah. Then he pitches out of the bullpen in a non-closer role for a couple of months. And then they shut him down.
0: He's probably still better than 266. In well,
2: yeah, a pitcher, yes, but overall, I don't know. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. Where was Josh Hader last year? Oh,
0: well above that. I yeah. I don't think he's going to yeah. throw as
2: many innings as Josh Hader. Mm.
0: But this is, this is a guy who has. He makes 10 starts.
2: <laughs> There's 50. <laughs> There's 50 innings. Where are the rest coming from?
0: <laughs> so this is a guy. We've talked about him for, what, four years now. Um, mm-hmm has legitimate number one overall pitcher stuff. And there's not a ton of guys that you can say that about. Um, It's just been a question of him staying healthy. He had Tommy John surgery uh, after making his major league debut and then came back, had, I think, Scott, you called it the the best Tommy John surgery rehab assignment of all time. He struck out, like, 52% of opposing batters he faced.
1: And um, was basically no-hitting everybody every yeah, time out he, he incredible. double-digit strikeouts. It was insane.
0: And then he came up, pitched, what, three innings, five innings, and uh, tore his lap. And now he's recovering from that. And now you have to wonder, can his body hold up? But there's a lot of upside. He's not getting drafted 266, I would guess.
2: Oh, no, I think people are going to draft him a lot earlier. I just, like, his innings cap is probably 100 innings.
0: Hmm. Yeah,
2: that's that's tough. It's really hard to be good. Like he'll be good, I-, I would expect, for a month or two this season. You know what the best case scenario might be? He closes. Alex Ray is closing. Yes, that is the best case scenario.
1: That that has been discussed. I don't think it's. I, going I don't to think that's the best case scenario for a dynasty league owner. I mean, as much no. as you have invested in this guy. Sure, but
0: 2019 fantasy redraft value. I think the best right. case scenario is he goes out there and or you know, picks up 40 saves and strikes out 12 batters per 9.
2: Or the Cardinals, this they wouldn't do this, but if they came out and I, said, "We're just going to use him until the All-Star break and then we're going to shut him down." And you knew you could draft him and have an ace for the first three. That'd be great, but that's not the way these things usually work. Yeah.
1: I don't know why more often teams don't do the reverse of that. Okay, you want your best arms there for a potential you can't, playoff run. You can't so. let them
0: lay fallow for two months, you know? Like, they're going they to have to throw catch. in that time. They can play catch. Yeah, yeah. but you're extended still... Extended spring training? Like, are you toss? just going to not have them start spring training until April?
1: Not May. at all. May. Just just no no spring? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, extended spring training. Yeah. I don't know.
2: Practice bunting? <laughs>
1: Or All just right. let the lat heal more, you know. Let it heal. All get right. So it let's strong.
0: let's move on to the the prospects. We'll we'll go through. There's a couple of different categories here with uh with Scott's prospects. If you go through the article, he has a, a write up for everyone. Their stats and then basically their chances of playing in 2019. Some of them don't have any chance. Some of them maybe get a cup of coffee. Some of them will be seen in the mid season we'll focus on the guys who are fighting for a spring training spot and guys that you can pencil in starting with Victor Robles, as we've already mentioned, almost assured the center field uh, starting job for the nationals. Does Bryce Harper's potential re-signing change that at all?
1: I think it, it may. If that happens, then they're either the nationals are either going to go with a very bad center fielder, be it, eaton or harper himself or michael just going to be out of luck yeah it could be michael Um, taylor it could be michael taylor and in in that case eaton would still be out of luck but uh, yeah i i think if they're going the defensive route in center field they just call up robles all right number 29 for you someone
0: you expect to play he was already he probably should have lost his prospect status but he uh suffered a serious hamstring injury at the end of last season Luis Arias, second baseman for the Padres. What kind of fantasy potential is there here, Scott?
1: Very interesting prospect, Arias, because he doesn't look like the sort of player who really has a place in today's game. so contact-oriented, his profile, with very little actualized power, Mm -hmm. but... He's, his exit velocities have rated among the top power hitters in the minors uh, throughout his time there. He did make more of an effort to elevate the ball last year. It still didn't lead to great results, but the guy's 21 years old, and I think I think just assuming he's never going to develop power is, is selling him short, especially knowing uh, this could be a perennial batting title contender. So... You know, maybe he's only DJ Lemayhew. He, he but... did
0: start striking out more last year.
1: Yeah, 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 I, in part because he was trying
2: to elevate yeah. the ball. More. Like I, I see a lot of reason for long-term optimism for Urias. I don't right now have him in my top 300, um, but I because I just don't know how he's going to help you. Like he should contribute in batting average, although he has. Been a two ninety hitter in the minors at two ninety six in the PCL, with
1: yeah that, no I'd, pop. I give him. Uh, last year was kind of weird because he was tinkering with his swing, and you know well, the he, downside to the fly ball revolution is you're not keeping the bat flat through the zone. So, but that was pretty much his batting average every year except
2: for one year in high A. Okay, I I, I mean two ninety is very good, but yeah. two ninety with no steals and no home runs is not. It's not, not particular. I hope that he develops the power, and he probably right. will at some point.
1: I don't know that it'll be this. Yeah, year. Well, I that, feel like probably something. in the immediate future, his val- he, he's best utilized in deep points leagues, where the low strikeout rate is going to help elevate him, but it's deep enough that, um, you know, you're not going to miss the power so much.
0: All right. Next up, you say Kikuchi, as we talked about. Do you think he has? Is he more interesting, Scott, to you in a dynasty league or a redraft league?
1: A redraft. Okay. Yeah, I just don't
0: see the long-term upside that some of the guys in his well range... clearly
1: the ceiling isn't as good as most of the pitchers in my top one hundred. And, and yeah, a lot of those pitchers aren't going to realize they're ceiling. The, the, the good thing about Kikuchi is, and this sounds funny to say, considering he hasn't pitched in the majors yet, but compared to the average pitching prospect, you know what you're getting. You know the odds are very good that you're going to get something highly usable, something you wouldn't ever consider dropping. And you know, prospects, as their name suggests, are uh, very hit or miss. But... As we were saying about him earlier, like his upside is probably a number three pitcher in fantasy. And he's older than most of these guys. He's 27. Um, A lot of pitchers who come over from Japan don't just stay here until they retire. They end up going back after a few years. And we we have no idea how his career is going to unfold as far as that goes. But, yeah, I want to just assume he has eight to ten years in the majors.
0: All right, one the next one barely qualifies as a prospect. I think he makes it in by one day, or one at bat. That's Brandon Lowe, second baseman for the Rays. Is he going to play second base for the Rays?
1: Brandon Lau. Lau. And I don't know. Sorry. I don't know. Yeah, it's weird. It's like <laughs> is Matt the first Dias base Ray, is,
2: he allowed, is it Nathaniel Lau, or is it Nathaniel Lowe?
1: That is Nathaniel Lowe. They're not that's, related, but they however. But they're spelled exactly the same. That's confusing. That's, I Nathaniel like Lowe's it. brother, Josh Lowe, is in the Rays system. So Does he they go have by two Lowe or Lowe's Lowe? And one Lowe. But they're, they're spelled exactly the same. Yeah. Matt Diaz. <laughs> Similar situation. You could pronounce your name however you want. So Brandon Lowe.
0: Yes. Uh, did come up, got his, uh, I'd say it was a little more than a cup of coffee. He played 43 games for the Rays, mostly started. Only hit 233, struck out a decent amount, but he did hit six home runs, drove in. 25 runs what's his prospect profile
1: i like brandon lau much more than the standard prospect list seems to like him i think the knock on him is he doesn't uh profile doesn't have a clear place where he profiles defensively
0: that doesn't matter to us
1: that that Well, except to the extent that he gets playing time, and that is a legitimate concern because the Rays do have a lot of middle infield options. They have a lot of outfield options. Those are the two spots where he's able to play. Uh, if you look at roster resource right now, they don't show him in the starting lineup. They don't even show him on the major league roster, though I'd have a hard time believing he doesn't get a job based on the way he performed last year. R- huge season in the minors. Uh, He hit for average. He hit for big time power. He's always walked a lot. And even though, you know, the major league numbers might not blow you away at first glance. He had 233, like you said. He had one of those weird Alex Bregman type starts to the career where just everything was going wrong. Everything that could go wrong went wrong. 0 for 18 to begin his major league career. Uh, And then after that, he had 273 with an 884 OPS, which was more along the lines of, what i think everybody was hoping for so i i think if he does find uh semi-regular bats between the outfield and second base uh i think there's a good chance he hits 20 plus home runs with the above average on base percentage might be might be what a lot of people were hoping ian happ would be last year except you know he doesn't strike out like happ does. Soon. that's part of the reason why there's optimism there
0: all right Next up is Danny Jansen. We've talked enough about him. So let's move on to a guy that I think you both are just too low on. He doesn't have Garrett Hampson in his top 300 for 2019. Scott, I'm not sure if you do, but you only have him 55th amongst fantasy prospects. And I, I get not being super bought into him as a real-life prospect. And I, I think there's you – know, the, the, the low-pop, high-contact speed guy is a – is a prospect profile that busts fairly often because once you start getting in the majors and you start getting challenged by real stuff, you can't play that game anymore. But he's going to be in Coors Field. He's probably going to strike out. He,
2: he might be in Albuquerque.
0: Uh, he'll hit well there too. Um, <laughs> okay, yeah. the The bigger question is whether he's going to play, and then you know he's going to be in kind of a three way competition in spring training for the starting second base job because Daniel Murphy is expected to start a first base for the Rockies. So it's going to be Ryan McMahon, Garrett Hampson, and Brendan Rodgers. I don't really think Brendan Rodgers, given how much he took a step back last year uh, in the minors, is really a a contender for that. I mean, he's the really, best prospect of the three. Yeah, although he's his prospect shine has lost a little bit. But right. he would really have to stand out in the spring, I would guess, to overcome... Service time and uh, recent performance. Ryan McMahon. I don't think he's considered as much of a prospect as Garrett Hampson. Not really a natural. Like Hampson's a shortstop who should be a very good second baseman. McMahon
2: can play everywhere. Yeah, but I wonder if that's
0: he can't play anywhere. I (laughs) I, And I and they just didn't really give him a chance last year
2: that that's absolutely true. They did a lot of very stupid things with old players and young players last year. And that's part of the reason I'm worried about Hampson just because I feel like they're going to sign a 42 year old second baseman soon. And we're not going to be talking about this anymore, but I, I, I would prefer to see McMahon there. Cause I think that he has more upside in terms of fantasy potential. He has shown a ton of power in the minor leagues. He was pretty bad in a limited basis last year if either of these guys is named the starting second baseman they will definitely be in my top 276
0: yeah i think given the state of baseball right now i just look at garrett hampson as as a prospect and you know he he hit 10 home runs last year which not great but it's not nothing stole 36 bases but that was only in 110 games he's hit above 300 every single season in the minors with you know, at least a 377 on on-base percentage. A guy with 50 steal potential and 300 average playing in Coors, like that's a 300 average, mostly not playing in the kind of hitting environments where that Coors is. Albuquerque is very similar, uh, if not arguably a little better. But Coors boost the BABIP. Y- you could be looking at a guy who, you know, regularly, like DJ Lemay, you regularly puts up three sixty BABIPs. And with his speed, it's not mm-hmm. out of the question that he's hitting three ten with we, fifty steals. Well, we,
1: and he, and he's 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 a good doubles and triples guy too, and that's a good part for doubles and triples guys. Yeah. On top of it, like the best case scenario for Hampson is is I think higher than a lot of people would even believe. I mean, it might even be like second round type production I was from, like a tr- like a from Garrett Turner. Hampson. It's just there are so many potential. Hurdle like so many potential uh, speed bumps for toward that best case scenario. For how much is he going to play? Are they going to let him run to the full extent he can, even if he does hit? Um, because he doesn't have that power profile that uh, you know, people expect today, and certainly in course fields, will they always be trying to mix other guys in? I, I don't. I would be. Re- I I just shrug to all yeah. of that. I have no idea. Right. But I, it's it's. I would love to draft Hampson in the late rounds, particularly in a roto league. But I don't think I can reach for him earlier than that.
0: Yeah, and he is going in NFBC drafts uh, like a hundred and eighty third. So
1: it's a little soon.
0: It's it's an investment I'm willing to make. I will say that.
1: All right. What, then, what
2: was this? What was the sixteenth round? One eighty three.
1: Yeah, that's a little early for me, but. You know, If he's making a lot of noise this spring, obviously that'll change.
0: All right, we'll uh, move on to the last guy that you have penciled into a starting role uh, to open the season, and that is, well, we'll go with a, another email, com. Hey, Twilight, Adventureland, and Snow White. Anyone want to take a crack?
1: That would be Kristen Stewart. So I guess we're talking about Kristen Stewart. We
0: are talking about Tiger's prospect Kristen Stewart. Outfielder number 67 in Scott White's overall top 100 fantasy prospects.
1: There is no chance you see him there on a non-fantasy list. What are, point out.
0: what are your thoughts on Tigers outfielder Kristen Stewart as a potential breakout candidate? Seems like there's power here. And based on his plate discipline, maybe big OB, OBP upside. Could he be a mini Juan Soto who goes 300 picks later? Talk me out of taking him as my fifth outfielder in every single points or on-base percentage league.
1: Uh, Juan Soto I think is not a fair comparison (laughs) a mini Juan Soto but Um, but he's bigger
2: than Juan Soto right
1: I don't think his hit tool Kristen Stewart's hit tool is near Juan Soto's hit tool so just put that under your mind I, I think the comparison I'm hoping Stewart delivers on is Carlos Santana which I know will not be to some people won't be exciting at all I mean, it just depends on the depth of your league and the the scoring format but um any five outfielder league any league that heavily rewards walks somebody you need to pay attention to in the late rounds because there is no reason the tigers want not play him he was their everyday left fielder down the stretch even though he's terrible there and they don't really have any alternatives they might as well try him out even if uh even if he is not really somebody they want to trust in left field long term because he can't play defense
0: and the minor league stats to to throw them out there 262 batting average 363 on base percentage averaged about 30 like 31 home runs per 150 games so there's there's a lot of pop there and you know the batting average you would hope would be higher but he does strike out quite a bit yeah although not like you know we're not talking like alarmingly so it's fewer than a strikeout per game you're you're, you're looking at about i don't know 22 percent there you know you would expect that to go up in the majors and he struck out 13 times in 72 played appearances last year that's not bad that's a small sample size but right i i think he is an interesting fantasy uh prospect and definitely someone worth targeting in your fifth rounds. what do you think scott
2: your fifth rounds,
0: sorry, in your fifth out late outfielder in
1: spot in five outfielder leagues. Yeah, I'll probably take him. That's the reserve exactly room. what I said. Reserve rounds.
0: Yeah, I get that, um, and you know, there, there's a chance that the bat just craters, but that's an interesting profile, and not someone who has a ton of hype around him. Uh, we 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 were slow today. That's weird. So I think we're gonna have to sound uh, like us at all. We're gonna have to push off some of the other prospect guys for friday's episode but i think that's fine i think we can make that work there's not a lot to talk about right now anyway so we'll finish up prospects talk on friday we'll start talking about some starting pitcher rankings for both scott and heath maybe we'll look at some places that they disagree in their early rankings uh guys anything else anything else you want to say no (laughs) all right Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast.
1: He didn't want an awkward ending like Adam's, so he dumped it on us. Exactly. And we weren't prepared for that. That's
2: a pro move. It just made it work. I felt pretty prepared. But it made you
1: look good. Come back soon now.